Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Uh, my name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, everybody say, hey, PD. Hey, All right, you got it. Glad you guys could be in church today. Um, I know that uh, we're starting the year right and just creating uh, healthy habits, and I'm proud of you for that. Uh, if you're new to Connect, just want to welcome you to our, our church family. I hope that you feel like, you know, uh, welcomed. Uh, sorry about the elbow room. We'll, you know, we do have three services, so you can uh, try a couple of the other ones. And, and uh, the good news is we're making room by uh, um, launching another campus. Amen. So we're starting a new location. It, that's exciting. So coming up on March 11th, everybody say March 11th. We'll have a campus in North Framingham at Cameron Middle School and. We are stoked about that, so uh, can't wait to see what God's going to do. Uh, can you do me a favor? Can you welcome all our online and cable viewers as well? Just give them a big hand. And thanks for being with us. We're so glad. Amen. Our house is your house. Um, while you're getting cozy, I just want to make an announcement. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, February 4th, uh, actually, we're having uh, an annual service that if you've been a part of Connect for any length of time, we do this uh, every year. We call it No Excuse Sunday, and uh, it's labeled on purpose <laughs> that way. And so we're trying to tell you in advance so that there's no excuse for you not to be there. Um, if you consider Connect uh, your home, your home church, uh, whether, you know, I, I use language like this, so don't misinterpret this, but, you know, if you're a frequent flyer or you're a family member, um, that this is your service to be there because we're, we have some important things that we need to tell you, some important things we need to do with you, and some things that we need to prepare for in the future that if as many as, as, as that call this their home can be there as possible helps us tremendously. So No Excuse Sunday is February 4th, Super Bowl Sunday. And, uh, of course, Patriots will be playing that day naturally. Um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, but um, that will be a fun service, by the way. We will, it will be a spectacular service on so many levels, and so you don't want to miss that. Uh, get it in your calendar. February 4th is what? That was so weak. There's 10 people going to be there. February 4th is? All right. You guys got it. Good, 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 good. Okay. You can get your worship guides out, and you can follow along with me uh, as we continue our series entitled The Kingdom. And... To try to catch you up um, and also give you a little bit of a, I don't know, framework for the, the purpose of this series. Um, we don't come to church just to sing kumbayas and drink Starbucks coffee and, you know what I mean, and hug each other and things and dress nice. We, we actually believe we have a purpose. The church of God is the hope of the world. Amen. And, uh, and so we want to make sure that we're fulfilling that. But what happens, I think, for many of us, one of the greatest deterrents to our growth personally and spiritually is a gravitational pull, uh, a natural inclination uh, towards comfort. Right? In other words, right now, to some extent, you are sitting in comfort. You are in a cozy, comfortable chair. You are in a climate-controlled room. You are in a lighting-controlled room. You have Starbucks coffee, heaven's nectar in your hand. Um, everything is always pulling us towards, and we're always looking forward to, to comfort. And comfort can be a tremendous um, uh, deterrent to, to growth. And so, so this series is intentionally uh, meant to challenge you. Okay, is everybody with me so far? Yes, but I won't be in a few minutes. Okay, so 
Last month when I was praying, I, and, and believe it or not, you know, this isn't like a copy and paste thing. Uh, I was praying, and the Lord gave me kind of this big idea for the series. And that is that, that's the message today, so there you go. Bye. And so the series' big idea is the kingdom isn't about taking it easy. It's about taking dominion. Everybody say dominion. You got to say it like this. You can be like, dominion. Turn your neighbors. Let's get a little, eh, little Tony the Tiger. Eh, you know what I mean? A little dominion. Okay. So dominion is sometimes misinterpreted as Christ followers. And when you're reading the Bible, it's not about going into the world and, you know, controlling people and, you know, stomping on them and whipping them over the head with the Bible and things like that. Dominion, actually, we, we learned this last week, dominion is not so much about taking over the world as much as it is about taking over the world in you. So last week we talked about regaining dominion that we lost over our soul, over our vessel, over our, over our lives. And, and so there's this, there's this uh, loss that takes place. And as a result of that loss of dominion, we also lose influence. And so people in, that are not connected to God um, look at people who supposedly are connected to God and say, why would I want that? It's clearly not working for them. Right, And so, so we want to regain that which we lost so that we can be a positive influence on the world and take dominion over the world with kingdom values and virtues. Is everybody tracking me out there? So last week we talked about two problems that, that caused, caused us or cost us our dominion, the per, uh, perverse and uh, a lack of faith. We talked about this and how there's a perverse and faithless generation. Jesus was talking to his disciples when he said that, Christians, and said, this is why you were not successful in what you were trying to do because you're too connected to the world and you're disconnected from me. And so then we talked about the two solutions, which are fasting and prayer. Fasting disconnects you from the world. Prayer connects you to God. And that's why we're in this season. So for those of you who are new, just coming here for the first time maybe, we're in a, believe it or not, what we don't think is an elite discipline, but an elementary discipline in the scriptures of prayer and fasting. And that's why I look so skinny right now. Um, and and uh, in the Bible, when they went on 21-day fast and, and prayer times, uh, they wouldn't uh, bathe or use lotions. We just want you to know we believe in bathing and showering here at Connect. So don't worry about that. Amen. All right. So moving right along, in Matthew chapter 11, God uses this is strong terminology in the New King James. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? Oh, my gosh. That sounds scary. But it basically is saying for those kingdom values and virtues to influence the world, it's going to take effort. It doesn't just happen. You can't take it easy. Take it easy, man. Just take it easy. Summer, summertime. No, it's not going to be like that. Like, you got you to gotta get out there. It's, it's a, there's a relentless, there's a tenacity to it. You got to do it by whatever means necessary because life is a test. It's a test. It's a temporary assignment. And the tests get tougher if we're not trusting in the cross of Jesus Christ to help us through it. Can I get an amen out there? So it takes some effort to do that. So, but, the re, but the reality is and the observations are that most people, when it comes to the Christian experience, treat it like going to college or, or taking an enrichment course. We just want to audit Christianity. 
In other words, is everybody tracking me? In other words, we just want to learn some stuff, gain some knowledge, but don't give me any of them tests. Don't give me any of that homework stuff. Like, don't, 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 don't ask me to, you know, put a little bit of effort into that. Like, I like, inspire, inform, teach me. I like all that kind of stuff. Uh, but don't ask me to actually apply that which I've learned. And so the problem is you don't or you can't get credit for something that you didn't participate in. We cannot, it may work with, you know, something to audit something else, but you cannot audit the Christian life and experience life change and transformation. I'm spitting a lot up here, so it's going to be a good service. Okay, I'm just realizing that because the, the lights, I can see it, you know, when it comes out and then I become embarrassed and then that's what I say to cover up my embarrassment and so there you go. All right, so you, you may, you may, you may like kind of coming to church and, and I, I just want to receive some stuff, but active obedience precedes life change or transformation. And so without obedience, and, and, and the information won't give you credit, okay? I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I'm talking about dominion on the earth here. Is everybody with me, okay? So we're going to go to a, our main text today is from the book of Revelation. By the way, it's not Revelations. Stop saying that. It bothers me. Okay. When people say that, it's a revelation. All right. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, Paul is, uh, excuse me, not Paul, but Jesus is giving um, instructions through John to uh, seven different churches. And this is church number six. In the ark, are, we, people always number their churches, uh, this, this, this affiliation we're a part of. So this is church number six, this, this uh, Philadelphia, kind of like the first Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. It was a, a trade city. It had a lot of stuff going on in it. Um, it, it was known at the particular time as, as having a lot of earthquakes and um, big, big commercial city. And then behind this city or inside this city was a group of believers, small group of believers that were gathering there. And this letter was written to them, and I believe it applies to us. And it says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true. So in every one of these letters, and there was seven to seven letters, seven churches. This one, he always, God always gave a description, a, a kind of another description of himself. You can't just describe Jesus in just a couple of words, by the way. Okay? So this was one of his descriptions, and I want to camp just for a second on these two words, and then we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of the message. But he says, I'm holy and I'm true. Everybody say holy. That word gets so misunderstood, but it's important for you to understand holy and true because when you contrast um, other truths against the reality and the description of God, you appreciate them more. So that's why I'm doing this. So holy means set apart, unique, special, uncommon. Um, holy is like, I like to describe it like dishes uh, in, in a home. You've got sometimes in your home, uh, you have dirty dishes in your sink. Anybody got dirty dishes in the sink right now? Come on, confess. This is church. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. All right, you're like, gosh. Sometimes you got dirty dishes in the sink. Sometimes you have the dishes that, the common dishes that you use to feed everybody every day, you know, the lunch, the breakfast, the dinner, right? But then how many know that there are dishes in the dining room that almost you never, you almost never use, right? They are special dishes. They have a room. These dishes 
all to themselves. Cabinets, you know, casements and cabinets with all these issues to them, right? Okay, so that's, that's when God describes holy, it's like dishes in a dining room. They are set apart, special, unique. They don't roll with dirty dishes. They don't come in contact with common dishes. Okay? This is a, lot of, a lot of husbands getting set free right now from these, this word from God. Okay? And so God's trying to say, that's what I'm like. I'm holy. I'm not like everybody else. I'm unique. And then he says, I'm true. I'm, I'm the only truth. Uh, tr- I am the ultimate reality. Basically, in other words, um, anything that contradicts me, that is, it, it is false or it's a lie in contrast or if it contradicts me. And so everything uh, he says about himself, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And so when you want to know good doctrine, listen, listen, listen to this. Jesus is good doctrine. He is the perfect physical representation, embodiment, application of doctrine. Jesus is the word. He is truth. And then he lived it out, modeled it out perfectly. So whenever we're trying to figure out what you believe, you need to know in whom you believe first. And it will help you with what you believe. And then you study Jesus and his life and his his works and how he did it. And it's always going to help you better with what you believe. Does that translate? Jesus is good doctrine. It always helps with that kind of stuff. So he's holy. He's true. And, 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 and then he goes on to say, now that we've got through that, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. In verse 8, he's, today's a big idea. Sorry. <laughs> so I'll get back in a second. So he basically introduces himself, but then he says, in a nutshell, he says, I have the key. I'm going to go back to that verse here. It says, um, who holds the key of David. All right? So... Jesus has a key, the key. It's a singular key. He has this one mamma jamma big kahuna key, right? He holds this particular key. And I, I like to teach more about this, where this comes from. There's a story in the book of Isaiah that talks about this, kind of unpacks this. But there is a singular key, which fundamentally means that it's the master key. Anybody know what a master key is all about, right? Have you ever gone to a gym? Somebody uh, just felt judged right there. If you've ever gone to a gym and you go, you visit, it's not your gym, and you need to get in the, in, into your locker, they give you a passcode. So they're like, okay, here's the passcode, and you go do it, and you, when you get there, you forgot it. Has anybody ever had that happen to them before, right? Or so, so, okay, or maybe you got it, and you got in, and then you put all your stuff in there, and then you walk away. But because it's unfamiliar territory, you forgot that you put the passcode inside the gym locker, and then you walked away. Nobody but me has ever done that. Okay. So then you got to go to the front desk, and then you got to ask somebody to open your locker, and they say, can I see some identification? And then you say, it's in the locker. So then, like, how do I know? So, so then you take him into the locker room. And you go in the locker room, and, and all the lockers look the same. And then you just, can you open them all? You know, and so, I mean, this might have happened. It's just a story. But it, anyway, so I can <laughs> so, but because they had, this one dude had the master key, it was irrelevant whether, I had the combination or not, and as a result, the door, what, 
was open, okay? So doors represent those things in our life where we're believing God for something. We need a breakthrough. We're looking for an opportunity, an open door, a situation to change in our life for the better. 2018 can be the best year of your life if, 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 if you uh, understand that God holds the master key to every door in your life and he's given you keys or a combination of keys that can open the different doors in your life. And we need to learn what those keys are. Is everybody tracking with me? Okay. So, so the big idea is this. All right. Now I can go forward. Okay. Today's big idea is all doors are open to the one who has the master key. God holds the master key to your life. Not, it's, it's a singular key and it opens every door that is going on and every situation that's going on in your life. So God holds the key, but he's given you keys. He's given you keys. In fact, his word says this in Matthew 16, 18, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. Just as an aside, this is where our, our, Catholic, Christ, our Catholic friends and Christianity or Protestantism have a doctrinal separation. In Catholicism, they believe that Peter is the rock, and that's where the papacy or the fundamentally where we see the Pope's authority and infallibility comes from. But as Christians or Protestants, we believe from the context of the scripture that the rock is not Peter, but the rock is the confession that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and, P, and Jesus said to Peter, uh, God's revealed that to you. So, so our, our confession or revelation is what the rock is about. Does that make sense to everybody? Just a little sidebar. Nobody realized they were going to get that. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you, Jesus, I'll give you, disciples, the what? Keys. Notice it's plural now. So we're not talking about a key. We're talking about the keys. So, so others may have um, keys. Jesus holds the key, but there are kingdom keys he wants to give you to unlock Doors in your life that are obstacles, blockades, where you're experiencing resistance, where you somehow can't get the combination to get into the provision, the blessing, the promise that God has for your life. He has keys for you. Is everybody with me so far? Okay. And so these keys in this scripture refer to different things. So the keys of the kingdom of heaven refer to whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, that second half of that verse is referring to access with the keys and authority. So with these keys, these two keys, you get access and you get authority. Okay, you can write that in your notes. It says it, follow it up. It says, Jesus claims access to any door. And he gives you that if you use these keys, you can open any door that you have in front of you if you use the keys that he's given you. And he also will give you authority over every door. So whatever door it needs to be opened, it can be opened. Whatever door needs to uh, be shut, it can be shut because God provides, Jesus provides access and authority. Now, you may think, well, what's the big deal about all of that? Because if you don't realize that God holds the master key, then you're going to spend your life thinking someone else or something else is in charge of your life 
and the instrument to be used to open the doors of your life. If you don't realize and have, in essence, a revelation about the fact and accept the fact that God's word is true, that he holds the key and that he gives you kingdom keys, you will struggle, and you have, and I have, trying to make things happen, manufacture, conjure, work for, strive for, manipulate, control things so that doors, obstacles closed to us open. Is everybody tracking with me? So the truth is you'll look for something else or someone else, and they may have a key, but again, they don't have the key. And we got to be careful that we're not putting our trust in the wrong thing because all authority comes from God on this. Jesus came to them, the disciples, us, and said, all authority in the sweet by and by and the nasty here and now has been given to me. That's what he's saying. I'm large and in charge of your situation. I want you to see in 2018 that Jesus holds the key to every situation in your life. In, just on December, uh, uh, Christmas Eve, I basically said Jesus can't just be on the scene. He has to be in the center. But I want you to know in 2018, Jesus holds the key to every closed door, every door that needs to be opened in your life. Jesus holds the key to that in your life. Amen? And he's going to build his church on that. And he goes on to say that, that I'll give the keys of the kingdom of heaven to you. And before that, he says, I'm going to build my church on this. This revelation, this knowledge that he holds the authority and the access. So again, we, have, we, we might know people who have a key. We might have a key, but he holds the keys. So how do the keys work? What, do we, what, what makes them work or not work? First, we'll find out what they are in a few minutes, but what makes them work or not work? One of the reasons they don't work is sometimes we go to the locker room and we try to open a, a lock with the wrong key. We try to apply a combination on the lock that doesn't fit this particular lock. This is very common for Christians where we, we have like a mixture in our Christianity, there's a godly part of us, there's a sinful part of us, and sometimes we mishmash those two. It's called carnality, and so we, we try to apply this mixture to these to these heavenly situations that only God can do. And so if you skip God's way, if you bypass his system or process, then you won't experience the authority you need over your situations. You won't see the access you need in your situations. And so what happens in heaven doesn't become history here on earth because we're not doing it God's way. And so, in fact, many times we're using worldly keys to unlock heaven's doors. And we're frustrated because of it. And we keep on trying to pummel a key into the wrong lock. We keep on trying to use this combination thinking this is what's going to open the door. And it doesn't work. It reminds me of a trip I went on not too long ago. And I was staying in two locations. I was preaching in one place. And then I was going to be going to another place. And I stayed at this one hotel. Left. Packed my bags. I'm tired. I go to another hotel. I go up many floors in this hotel, like 12, 13, 14 floors, get to the top. You know when you're just exhausted from travel and you drop your bags. I pull the key out, swipe, it was just like beep, beep, it wouldn't go, it's red. <sighs> Flip it around, swipe, beep, beep, red. Three times, red. And I'm like, oh, this is, you got to be kidding me right now. Now i got to go all the way back down. I can't leave my bags. 
And so, no choice, you know. So I get my bags, you know, I'm like sweaty and, and just like grubby and just mad. I get, and I get to the front desk and I'm like, this key didn't work, you know. And he goes, sir, the key didn't work because that's to a different hotel. I forgot that I had had a Marriott key in this pocket and I had a Hilton key in this pocket. You cannot mix worldly keys and expect God to open the door for you. Is everybody tracking with me out there? Some of you are having problems and experiencing frustrations because you are using worldly keys in supernatural situations in your life. You're mixing those things up, and God won't use the master key behind the worldly keys to open up those situations in your life because you're not doing it the way he's instructed you to do. And so as a result, we get all shook up and messed up, and so we try to open this door. However we can. And we try to get somebody else to open the door. We try to get some big shot and some superstar and some earthly, worldly person to be able to make something happen. And as a result, we give our power away to open and close doors because we're not using the right keys. And we forget that we're related to the one who holds the key as Christ followers. And we surrender almost to a different system, a worldly system, a a system that desires to imprison you. Years ago, we used to do ministry in in a local prison in in, in Worcester. I don't know. Has anybody ever been to prison before? I'm just kidding. One for one reason or another. (laughs) Don't answer that. (laughs) Security. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They're all like, uh, we got row six, seat five. Uh, He raised his hand. Um. (laughs) <laughs> they really would. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So when, when, when I went to, it was amazing because I'd see these prison guards with, with the ring of keys. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you people you, who like these big rings of keys, you know what I mean? Just think you're all powerful. <laughs> you're not. But, I mean, they, what they really, what they used their keys for was to open cells and imprison prisoners. And ultimately, listen, listen, this is the incentive. The worldly system, when you use worldly keys, the end result is imprisonment. When you use God's keys, it's freedom. It's freedom. So when you understand that Jesus holds the master key to any situation, suddenly you're free. You're free. You, you behave differently. You look at things differently, and we'll come back to that. So, so what's the problem? In Revelation chapter 3, you getting something out of this, everybody? In Revelation 3, 8, again, he's talking to this, this church of Philadelphia. I've placed before you an open door, an open door. Nobody can shut it, and I know that you have, I know that you have as a church little strength. People look at you a certain way. We'll come back to that. Yet, even though people look at you that way, You've kept my word, and you have not denied my name. So what are the kingdom keys that he has for us? Keeping his word and not denying his name. Write this in your notes. Look at this. So the first kingdom key is keep his word. What's that all about? It's all about obedience. Obedience, everybody. God may not be coming through for you because you're not obeying him. See, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Nike, hashtag, hashtag Nike, okay? Just do it. 
Okay? See, when you hear something, I'm concerned for you as Christ followers here at Connect Community Church. If you keep coming, listening to something and not doing it, this is what the Bible's saying. You get deceived. You get deceived. Deception, self-deception is the worst kind of deception because you don't even realize it. But it happens to you first. That's a bundle of words. Self-deception is dangerous. You become deceived. So the best way to avoid deception, see, when you get deceived, when you hear the word, don't do it, you become deceived. How does it manifest? Because you're, you heard it, it didn't work for you, and then the deception is, well, see that? God didn't do it for me. And so you start turning against God because, of, no, 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 no. The problem was you heard it, you didn't do it, and that's why you got deceived, and now you're blaming me. Is everybody tracking with me out there? See, but the, but the Bible tells us in Psalm 119.11, if we hide the word of God in our heart and apply it is the, is the, is the application there. If we, Hebrews 4 says the word of God is living and active, if we live and act on it, Psalm 15.4 says if we keep our word to our own hurt and change not, these people will never be shaken. Okay, so we got to be people who don't just hear it. We're people who just do it. Can I have an amen out there? Okay, and so the next part is we don't deny his name. I'm going to camp on this because this is all about a name. Now, a lot of people talk about God. We're comfortable. I'm challenging you right now. It's a challenge series. A lot of people are comfortable to talk about God. I love God. Bless God. God bless you. God is awesome. If I got in front of a bunch of people and I got an award, I'd say I want to thank God. I want to thank God. God's awesome. God's number one. Hashtag God first. And my Instagram, God, God, God. Hey, listen, let me just tell you something, everybody. God the Father bestowed, bequeathed, gave, released, relinquished his authority to his son. And the son's name, everybody, is Jesus. The name that's above every name. That at that name, every knee one day is going to bow and confess that he is Lord. And we can confess him now willingly of our own volition or we'll be forced to confess who he is in our lives. It's important that you not deny, not be ashamed of the name of Jesus. You can be saying God this or God that, but the key and the power and the access and the authority is in the name. This is going to be strong. Get ready, okay? But if people don't know about your relationship with Jesus, then you have in essence denied his name. And you have relinquished one of the kingdom keys that will open the doors to influence, to impact, to promise, to provision, all the different things that you're looking for and all the specificity underneath that. But if you deny his name, you deny his name, you have stopped a kingdom principle in your life. The Bible says, Jesus said, deny me. Deny me uh, uh, on earth and I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Confess me on earth and I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. So I know that's strong, but if you are uh, not seen as or uh, advertised public association with Jesus by name, then you can forget open doors for your life. I'm trying to tell you how to get open doors. I'm trying. You're frustrated. You're petitioning. You're saying this and you're saying that. Why is it an opening? Because in essence, by your life, lifestyle, profession, advertisement, people don't even know you're associated with the one who holds the key to every door in your life. And yet he says to this, this small church of little strength in Revelation chapter 3, he says this. He says, I know that you have little strength. 
I know people see that. Yet you have kept my word and have, have not denied my name. So he's highlighting this church of Philadelphia and he's saying, good job. This is something that you get. This is important. And the people may see you this way, but I see you this way. You've obeyed my word. You did not deny my name. And yet, contrast, there are many people in the church of Jesus Christ that are wondering, why won't he open a door who are willfully obeying, not disobeying, excuse me. It's one thing to sin, but it's quite another to willfully continue to sin, not even fight or struggle with it. And they're denying his name by not being willing to publicly associate with him. Some of you, I didn't say this in the other service, but some of you are not even willing to get water baptized. That is a public demonstration of an inward conviction. It's basically, it's a coming out party. It's basically, it's like the marriage ring of, of Christianity. It's saying, this is who I belong to, and I want everybody to know it. I am married to Stacy, but in, in the ma- baptisms, I'm married to Jesus Christ. I am in covenant with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's why doors won't open for you. Because you're not willing to publicly confess your, your relationship. And yet if you would, and yet when you do, You'll be amazed the doors just swing open for you. Things begin to transform and change in your life because you begin to change to obey his word and not deny his name. I've got people literally racing through our minds who just in the last few months began to do that in their life and their whole life began to be turned around miraculously. It's, it's God who makes it happen. This, we had a door closed to our church uh, Recently, we're trying to get a, a physical location for our new campus. And let me just tell you something. The door was shut trying to get into a school. We could not get into a school. We needed to get into a school. It's the best way to launch a campus. And we had the school that we wanted. I knew God sh- showed me this is the one. The door was slammed shut over and over again. We kept getting declined, declined, declined. We kept, we kept going back, trying again, trying again, doing what we could in the natural. But on uh, behind the scenes, we were praying and we were declaring and we were just telling God, you're the one who holds the keys. And though God may rule against it, I mean, man may rule against it, God can overrule that anytime he wants. And in due time, he did. He completely over, overturned the decision, literally, just like this. Boom! Just like that in a moment. And the door opened. And as a result, we are going to build a, a healthy, vibrant church that's going to read hundreds and thousands of people in Framingham. Because God holds the key to every door. Can I have an amen? God can overrule what man, what man says. And he can do that to a church and to a person who is of little power, little strength, you know. And sometimes you don't realize how he can do it. You don't understand. See, one time I was going through one of our, we have some other buildings. We have some child care facilities. And, and I was going through one of the buildings at a weird, weird time in a, in a weird uh, time of day. And while I was in there, um, all the staff was gone. Just the custodial staff was there. And I was following up on somebody that I thought was in the building. And so while I'm in there, um, one of the staff of the child care center came in who I didn't even know. She worked for me. And, um, and so while she's in there, she says, Pastor Fry, uh, would it be possible if I get into my classroom to set some things up? The custodial staff wouldn't, you know, kind of accommodate because they didn't know who I was. And here's the thing. I didn't know her, but she knew me. And I held the master key. And so because of that, she was able to, be get, able to get in through that door to that room. And some of you think it's, it's going to be who you know 
And it's going to be some super, some amazing connection that you've, you've made happen or somebody connects you to connection to connection. Listen, I, I know people. Some, some of you are going to think it's your power, your ability. I got Visa. I got MasterCard. Listen, if you know Jesus, you know people. If you know Jesus, you know people, and you can get in any door. Any door. doesn't matter what it is. Because they knew me, they got in. So the greatest people on earth are not, don't have, uh, it may look like on the surface they have the greatest thing. They might have a key, but they don't have the key. They don't have the key. And so it's the people who know him is what Revelation is telling us, the people who don't deny him. And, and it's important also in the context of the scripture of little strength. It's basically saying keep yourself small in your own eyes. And this is, a, this, for those of you who've been here a long time, as Connect grows, I just want you to know something. When people say, you know, some people say things about us that aren't good, but a lot of people say things about us are good. And you know what? You know, don't get all caught up in that. We need to keep ourselves small. See, one of the, one kingdom key that I'm not going to preach on today is humility. Humility. People say, oh, PD, you're all that in a bag of chips. Don't believe the hype. Because I'm not. Just ask Stacy. <laughs> but, but the point is, the point is we got to keep ourselves small because in, when we keep ourselves small, then God is big. And when we think we're all that in a bag of chips, we, we, we tend towards self-sufficiency. We tend towards thinking we're the ones that are opening the doors. But then ultimately we'll get to a door we cannot open, and this will happen for those of you who are talented, highly resourced, uh, whatever, intelligent, it doesn't matter. You're going to get to a door that you cannot open, and you're going to be frustrated because you think you have a lot of strength, but you are one of little strength. There's nobody in contrast to God who has, is not of little strength. We are all sinners saved by grace. We have all fallen short. If you think you're standing firm, be careful lest you fall. We cannot look down upon people or we will keep us down in the process. We've got to be careful about that because pride precedeth the fall. And, and this is a kingdom principle. Amen? Amen. So Revelation chapter 3 verse 9, it says this. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan. So some people are going to church that are of Satan. Bad people, religious people you could even say, because they're going to church, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. He says, I'm going to make them come down, bow down at your feet, and make them know that I have loved you. So you have little strength, the one that wasn't respected, it wasn't seen, wasn't visible. I'm going to make it visible. I'm going to make it known that I have loved you and that I have opened doors for you. Wow. So those people that many people are chasing after, sometimes as Christ followers, we're focusing our attention and our affection on the wrong things. And in the process, we're missing the opportunities and the miraculous and the supernatural interventions of God in our life. But if we redirect and refocus our life to him as the master key holder, to applying the kingdom keys to our life, even if the world looks at us one way, eventually God is saying, I'm going to show them who's boss. I'm going to show them who's connected. I'm going to show them who they should know. Is everybody tracking with me? And so, and so we don't realize that many people are going through all this work and all this hustle and bustle, and it doesn't have to be that hard if we know who we're connected to. This is a story about a big dog, little puppy. Let me tell you a story about a big dog, little puppy. I love dogs. Maybe not cats, but next week I'm going to tell a positive story about a cat, so you don't want to miss that because it's never happened in the history of this church, <laughs> Ever. And it may never happen again. <laughs> okay, so I'm just advertising. All right, so big dog, little puppy. So this is a big dog, German Shepherd. 
And he stands next to a little puppy. I'm a big dog. You little puppy. You little, look how little you are. You can't even move. You can't, you can't bark that loud. Your bark's probably like real wimpy. Look, go ahead. Say it, bark. Say it, bark. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm a big dog. You little puppy. I bet, I bet you can't even open this door. In fact, let's have a contest to see who can open the door the fastest. You want to go for it? You want to go for it with me, big dog? <laughs> little puppy says, sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. I'm just giving into it, okay? So, roll with me. So, big dog goes, okay, whoever can do it the fastest is the winner. So, big dog goes over. He's biting the knob. He's slobbering all over. Eventually, eventually, after three minutes, the door opens. Big dog comes over to little puppy and goes, beat that. Let me shut the door and see how you do. Shuts the door. Little dog See how you can do. What do you think you can do better than that? Sure. Little dog goes over the door and goes, hur, hur. Then out from behind the door, his master just opens the door. <laughs> because who you know is what opens doors, everybody. Not that you're a big dog and you're all that and you've got all the answers. No, it's not about that. When you know who is on the inside... Everything changes on the outside. You don't have to go through. Some of you are going through all this barking and drooling and craziness. <laughs> <I'm stronger. laughs> You're going to wear yourself out, everybody. You just need to know the master. You can be of little strength and get amazing things accomplished. What's the incentive for doing this? Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. <laughs> that was crazy. What is the incentive for living these kingdom keys? Here it is. Because if you kept the word, if you keep the word... I will keep you from the hour of testing. See, when you keep his word, he keeps you. Sometimes, sometimes you don't just need provision, you need protection. In Revelation 3, it's telling, I'll keep you from the hour of testing. You see, when you live right and you use the kingdom keys he gave you, he can keep you from the hour of testing. So if you're in a situation where the door has not opened at this particular time, it's because you're in a testing period, but God is with you through that testing period. And he's basically, I'm going, to walk that, I'm going to walk and talk that through with you. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. I'm right alongside. I'm, I'm getting ready to reverse a curse. I'm getting ready to flip this messed up situation. I'm, 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 I reverse the irreversible. I open slam doors, sealed doors. I open those because I hold the key to all of those situations in your life. Yeah, but PD, it's not happening right now. What about that? Well, this is, look at what it says. It says, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. Yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah, but Pastor, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been holding on. I'm like, he says he's going to come quickly. He ain't coming quickly. Like, it's been, a, it's been a while. That word quickly doesn't mean he's going to come right now. That word quickly means he's going to come suddenly. And when I realized what the real meaning of that word was suddenly, suddenly is unpredictable, unexpected it's, it's like, a, it's like a, 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 an unpredictable moment, a sudden, an unexpected, an out-of-nowhere kind of moment. Why? Why would God do it that way? Because that's the way God is, because he wants to overwhelm you. He wants to blow your mind with the obvious and apparent conclusion that it was all him and none of you. That it was all God and no man. That's why he does it. And so, so what he does, if you keep his word and you do not deny his name and all the things that entail and related to that, then, then you hold fast and you go to God and say, open this door. Then suddenly, all of a sudden, you don't realize when it's going to happen. 
You might be no longer striving in man, but you are, are depending on God by the Spirit. Suddenly, all of a sudden, whoosh, shoom, he opens the door for you. He swings the door. There's, there's nothing that would validate or confirm or, or, or encourage your faith more than when he swings a door wide open that you couldn't possibly see open another way. That's why God wants to do it quickly or suddenly in your life. Listen, when God is silent, it does not mean he is still. Just because you can't see what he's doing doesn't mean he's not doing anything. When God is silent, it does not mean he is still. He's working behind the scenes. He, he's waiting. He's looking for uh, a situation that would literally kind of blow your mind. And once your perspective is changed on the situation, you're completely free. You're free. I told a story last uh, service about this, but there was, there was these two gentlemen who were hunters, and they, were, they lived in Montana, and there was an edict that came out of Montana that said that the wolf population was too high. And so they would give $5,000 if you killed a wolf. $5,000. So these hunters were excited. So they went, and, uh, and, and Tom and Sam, they went into the woods, and they put up, popped up a tent. And the next day, they were going to hunt, hunt their hardest to try to get a couple of wolves kill them and bring back and get the money and so that night they went to they went to bed in the tent and then early the next morning tom came out and when he came out of the tent there were 50 wolves surrounding the tent fierce and eyes beat red and frothing at the mouth just ready to pounce and so tom went back in to the tent he said sam sam wake up wake up sam said what 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 he said he said we're rich we're rich it's all about perspective everybody it's all about perspective. We were singing on Friday night at the 508, you know, and, 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 and Kezi did such a great job. And she started singing this song from the upper room. And it may look like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded, but, but I'm surrounded by you. You know, so sometimes you look at your situation, but if you look at it with the realization that he holds the key, you realize, I might be surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Can I have an amen? So how do you see this year? How do you see this year? I would tell you, you need to realize the synagogue of Satan wants to crush you and wants to uh, defile you and wants to distract you and keep you sidetracked. But some of you, you need to just hold fast. Hold fast. Obey the word of God. Do what he says in 2018. Try it. Try it. Don't deny his name. Make sure people know God knows that you are associated with him, a, a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. And then what's going to happen, according to his word, suddenly the open door is going to come into your life in the process. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says, he who does that, he who overcomes. Why does he say he who overcomes? Because there's a tendency to quit. I, I was only a week into the fast. A few days in, I wanted to quit. Pop-Tarts. I haven't had a Pop-Tart in two years. Calling me in the middle of the night. Frosted, cinnamon frosted Pop-Tarts. By name, calling me. It was an audible voice. I don't even hear an audible voice of God. Why, he, he overcomes. So why? Because we have this tendency to give up, this tendency to quit, this tendency to stop obeying, the tendency to start denying. We need to have a, I will overcome, I will hold fast until the change comes. Until the change comes. And a lot of times the answer to prayer, before it is circumstantial and external, it is internal. The answer to prayer is he changes you before he changes anything else. 
And so if you do, if you allow him to work that side of you, he'll make you a pillar in the house of God. Uh, in Revelation, it goes on to say, Christ, but just let me back up. I almost spoke in tongues there because I was like, <laughs> Christians, a lot of times, don't realize we're looking for benefits without the maximum commitment. So a lot of times, it's like a 40-watt light bulb. We're, we're 40-watt light bulb. You might have a 60-watt. You might have a 100-watt. They're all light bulbs, and they all emanate to their capacity, but they're not all the same capacity. And some Christians are 40-watt emanating, exuding an experience that's 40 watts, but you want 100-watt benefits. All Christians don't exude the same experience because they don't have the same relationship with Jesus. So I would just say, turn up the light. Turn up the energy. Turn up the effort in your life. Here's what it says in John chapter 2. Jesus is smart and he's wise and he won't commit to people who won't fully commit to him. Many believed in his name. I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, He paid for my sins. They saw the signs. Oh, yeah, he does those things. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. See, See, he knows if you're 40 watt versus 100 watt. He knows if you are a full-time Christian or if you are a part-time saint. God wants you to be full-time Christian, not a part-time saint in the kingdom of God because everyone doesn't emanate the same potential, the same commitment level. God is looking for you to give all you have to him in 2018. Are you full-time or are you part-time? If you want this to be your best year, if you want to see doors open that have never opened before, stop being part-time with God. And he'll be full-time with you. Make him your preoccupation and he'll be occupied with making sure all of your situations, whether it be your occupation, your health, your relationships, whatever it is, are on his mind and on his agenda. If he is your first agenda, when God is your agenda, he'll make your agenda his agenda. Can I have an amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Did you get something out of this, everybody? Praise the Lord. Watching the football game last night made me think about this, but many Christians are like fans in the stands. <clears throat> I'm all for that, by the way, but, but many people are clapping and hollering and shouting, and, and some are critiquing, some are even criticizing. But when I think about people in the stands, nobody knows their names. Nobody knows those people's names. And then there are some down in the field that are playing the game hard and giving it their all, and and at different degrees, depending on their role and their responsibility, we know their names. And some, depending on their role and responsibility, we don't know their names. And then sometimes out of a team, there are people that are in a, almost like a different classification. All by them. They're, they're in the ring of honor. They have for season after season after season taken hits and, and hardships and all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, uh, attacks upon their, 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 their reputation. And yet they keep on coming back year after year after year. They're pillars, as it were. And the Bible actually talks about this. The Bible actually is encouraging that the person who overcomes, it says in that last verse, I will make him a pillar in the house of my God. And I will give him a name. See, some people don't have a name. They're not known. Some people maybe have a name, but a lot of people, uh, there are few people, excuse me, make a name for themselves. 
And I don't know about you, but I want to stand before God, and I want to be, uh, maybe I won't ever be at this caliber, and, 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 and some are, but, but I looked in the Bible, and I saw there were pillars. There was Peter, there was John, there was James, there was these different people. There was John the Baptist, who was seen as the greatest prophet. I thought, how did they do that? Because they obeyed his word, and they didn't deny his name. That's how they became great. And doors opened for them, and they were seen as pillars in the house of God, in the temple of God. And I just want to say, I don't want to be a fan. And I, I don't want to be a fair weather fan. And I don't, I don't want to just be a player. I want to give it my all. I want to stand before God one day, and, I, and when he says to me, well, I want him to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Today's Super Bowl Sunday for you, and I got a ring for you, and I got a robe for you. You didn't just get in to the game. You, you made a difference. And I don't know about you, but this whole thing this month is about making a difference, about coming alive and giving your all to God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're somebody that's been on the stands a long time, and you need to move one step forward and get on the field of faith. Maybe you're on the field of faith, but you, you have the potential, you have the capacity to do more for the kingdom of God. Maybe there's some of you, you're not even on the roster yet, but you want to be. <laughs> something about this whole thing resonates with you and there's something happening in your spirit, man, that says, I want to be on God's team, but I'm not sure I am. So before you can play in the game, you need to make sure you're, you're on the roster. Before you can have a name on a shirt and get a shirt, you want to make sure that you're on the roster. That means you've invited Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and as Lord. I'm just telling you, eternity, this hole in your heart, it's not going to be found in other major religions, it's going to be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you resonate with that today, something's happening inside of you, today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day you can make a decision that in turn will lead you to become a disciple, a Christ follower. If that's you today and you know he's talking to you, don't resist another day. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed so they can have that safety and that security. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Good night. God bless you, hon. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Yes, yes. Yes, up front. That's awesome. Is there anybody else? Good night so I don't miss it. Good night. I don't want to miss it. I saw you, honey. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. You can put your hands down. Church, would you pray this prayer with them? And those that just raised your hand, would you say this from your heart out loud with your mouth? Because if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Say, I confess. Come on, say it strong. I confess. Jesus is the center of my life today from this day forward. I believe you are the Son of God who paid for my sins, the past, the present, and the future. I surrender my life to you and to your Lordship, and I will obey your word and never deny your name in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a big, big hand clap for his word. God bless you guys. Amen.